We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go. Episode 767 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Wednesday, February 21st, 2024, the day after yet another coaching hire by the Commanders. So the team last Thursday morning officially announced the coaching staff of new head coach Dan Quinn, but the team on Tuesday morning announced the hiring of John Glenn as assistant special teams coach, and also announced that, quote, with this hire, the commanders have finalized their 2024 coaching staff, end quote. Uh, John Glenn served as the Seattle Seahawks linebackers coach for the last six seasons, 2018 through 2023. So he is familiar with the commander's new special teams coordinator, Larry Izzo, who spent the last six seasons with the Seahawks. Uh, Glenn actually was with the Seahawks for 12 seasons, 2012 through 2023. And yes, his name is John Glenn, just like the famous astronaut and former U.S. Senator. Hey, Perhaps the commander's John Glenn will someday run for office. Who knows? You know, former Redskins quarterback Heath Schuler went into politics, right? <laughs> Heath became a member of the U.S. House of Representatives, represented North Carolina's 11th district. So if Heath Schuler could go from a bust of a skins quarterback to being in politics, why can't John Glenn go from commander's assistant special teams coach to being in politics? Hello and welcome to this Wednesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Well, hopefully whatever the commanders do with their number two overall pick in the 2024 NFL draft works out a bit better than uh, Heath worked out for the skins. Uh, Next segment, a really good guest to talk about the perceived top quarterbacks in the 2024 draft, the commander's overhaul of their football operations, and more, Steve Palazzolo. He is Pro Football Focus's head of football product. He also is the co-host of the PFF NFL podcast. Steve is going to give us his thoughts on the commander's new football ops regime, general manager Adam Peters, head coach Dan Quinn, etc. Steve is going to discuss where he is at with the perceived top quarterbacks in the 2024 draft, USC's Caleb Williams, North Carolina's Drake May, and LSU's Jaden Daniels. Steve is going to answer whether the commander should be willing to trade up from the number two overall pick in the 2024 draft to the number one overall pick. Steve is going to tell us what he knows about the commander's senior vice president of football strategy, Eugene Shen, whose hiring was announced this past October 26. All of that and more with Steve Palazzolo. Next segment. Uh, By the way, Steve on the installment of the PFF NFL podcast that came out on Monday, February 19th, spoke with former Minnesota Vikings general manager Rick Spielman, a member of the advisory committee put together by Commander's Managing Partner Josh Harris. To what extent Rick Spielman's opinions on the quarterbacks in the 2024 draft matter in terms of what the Commanders will do is hard to say, but take a listen to this exchange. Where do you stand on the 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 second best quarterback in the league in the uh, in the draft? Yeah, I like Drake May a lot. Uh, I had the ability 
and uh, to watch him play live down in Miami last year. And um, his size, I think he is very athletic. I think he has arm talent. I think he's another one. He did not have the same talent around him this year. He made some poor decisions turning the ball over or forcing the ball where it probably could have kept it. Uh, And then Jaden Daniels is an incredible story coming from where he started at at uh, ASU, uh, Arizona State, where he was still developing. You can say, God, this guy will never be a first-round pick to when he transferred into LSU and the strides he made from last year to this year and uh, how much better he has improved. So I think all three of these uh, are going to be very successful quarterbacks in the league. I think there's a drop-off into that next tier, and it'll be interesting to see how many actually do go in the first round. So Rick Spielman likes Drake May as the QB2 in the 2024 draft. Has Caleb Williams as the QB1. Had good things to say about Jaden Daniels, but when asked about the QB2 in the draft, said Drake May. Also on the show, I will properly salute the Capitals for a terrific win on Tuesday night, a 6-2 smashing of the New Jersey Devils at Capital One Arena. So much to like from this game, including the Great Eight. Top-line left-wing Alex Ovechkin, two third-period goals and a primary assist. He now, over his last 18 games, has 21 points, 10 goals, and 11 assists. Really good stuff right now from Ovi. Or as Caps analyst Craig Lachlan of Monumental Sports Network says, Ovi. Uh, The locker does not say Ovi. The locker says Ovi. You have big Ovi running over people. Yes, O.V. Well, however you say it, uh, that guy, he is surging right now. Uh, And I on the show, we'll talk Maryland basketball. Yet another loss, a fifth loss in six games, a 74-70 loss at Wisconsin late night on Tuesday night. The Terrapins for this season now are just one and eight in one possession games. Games decided by four points or less. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Mike Horwell on the introductory press conference of the commander's new defensive coordinator, Joe Witt Jr., and also on what the commanders should be thinking with their number two overall pick in the 2024 draft. Writes Mike, I watched Joe Witt's press conference. What a breath of fresh air. Witt was clear and responsive to the questions asked without giving away team strategies. He came across as down-to-earth and likable while also showing his strong commitment to building a defense that we will all love to see on the field. His comments about Dan Quinn also reinforced to me the good choice that the commanders made for a head coach. Shifting gears, there is a lot of noise about the commanders trading up to get Caleb Williams. At this point, I believe that Drake May will prove to be the best quarterback in this class. Hopefully, he will be available at number two. The team can use the remaining draft choices to help build the roster that we need in order to win. Uh, Thank you for the email, Mike. Uh, Yeah, we on last Friday's show, episode 764, reacted to and discussed the uh, intro pressers of Joe Witt Jr. and the commander's new offensive coordinator, Cliff Kingsbury. Those pressers happened last Thursday afternoon. Joe said a lot of good stuff. Something that he said that we actually did not talk about on last Friday's show was him emphasizing that what he does with the commander's defense is not just going to be a redo of what he did with the Dallas Cowboys. Dan Quinn and Joe Witt Jr. spent the last three seasons with the Cowboys. Dan was the Cowboys defensive coordinator. Joe was the Cowboys secondary coach and defensive passing game coordinator. Uh, Joe last Thursday afternoon said the following. So we have a base structure of what we want to do, but very similar to what we did when we went to Dallas, okay? Everybody just knew when we went to Dallas that we were going to run ATL threes or the Seattle three packaged and it was probably fourth or fifth game when they realized, oh, they're not doing that, okay? And so what we're going to do, and that's another reason why we brought coaches from different schemes and, and we were very strategic from where we brought these coaches from because we're going to build the commander defense. It's not going to be exactly what we did in Dallas. 
Okay, and if you think it is, and you go watch all the Dallas film, all right, good for you. You're going to be mistaken. All right, we're going to build this thing. Um, we have the structure that we want, but we're going to take the ideas from all the coaches that we have on the defensive staff. We're going to do it just like we did in Dallas. We listened to every coach on the staff in Dallas, and we built it together. And that's what we're about to do. We're about to build this thing from the ground up with the understanding that we do have a base structure of what we want to do. I like that a lot. The idea isn't just to do Cowboys defense part two. Uh, The idea is to take some basic principles, yes, but make this defense tailored to what is best in the NFL in 2024 and what is best with the personnel on the commander's roster. Uh, We, of course, during Ron Rivera's time as Washington head coach, heard a whole lot about his time as Carolina Panthers said, coach, right? Uh, well, the messaging from Dan Quinn, Cliff Kingsbury, and Joe Witt Jr. from their introductory press conferences, uh, interestingly and notably, uh, was that what we're going to do isn't necessarily what we have done. And that, to me, is refreshing. And as for the quarterback scenario for the commanders with their number two overall pick in the 2024 draft, look, it all depends on how Adam Peters and company evaluate the quarterbacks. If Adam and company really like Caleb Williams and believe that he can be elite, but don't like any of the other quarterbacks, then trading up from the number two overall pick to the number one overall pick should be explored. Ideally, the commanders like more than one quarterback in this draft and get one of those quarterbacks at two or even by trading down, but nothing matters more than quarterback. And so if trading up from two to one is the way for our team to finally get itself a franchise quarterback, then so be it. Uh, This does appear to be a good quarterback class, so I'd be surprised if Adam Peters and company view the quarterback class as just Caleb Williams and then everyone else uh, not being good, but you never know. Email from Billy D in NC on the saga (laughs) between the Commanders and Detroit Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson, a saga that we hit on toward the end of our conversation with Lions radio play-by-play announcer Dan Miller on Tuesday's show, episode 766. The primary purpose of having Dan on was to talk about the Commanders' new assistant general manager Lance Newmark, who spent the last 26 seasons with the Lions. Uh, Writes Billy D in NC. Hope you and your family are doing well. Daily listener of the pod. Great work. I really want to put the Ben Johnson situation to bed, but if we need to continue to discuss the Washington head coaching search, I would like to at least change the terms that we are using. Let me explain. I have over 30 years of experience as an executive for several Fortune 500 companies. I have been involved in numerous executive searches, both as the person doing the hiring and also as a job candidate myself. Based on my experience, the term number one choice that many people are using with Ben Johnson is not an accurate description. A candidate for a job is not the number one choice unless you make the person an offer or attempt to make the person an offer. A more accurate description would be Ben Johnson was the leading candidate at the start of the search. In many searches, the leading candidate at the start of the search does not end up being the number one choice based on various reasons. These can include the person's performance during the interview process, reference checks, or the person's overall fit for the position. Based on this description, Dan Quinn or Mike McDonald, if the commanders did make him an offer, should be considered the commander's first choice, not Ben Johnson. Thanks for hearing me out. Uh, Well, thank you for the email. Billy D, well said, totally fair. Uh, The way that I phrase it is that it does not appear that Dan Quinn was the commander's number one choice to be their head coach. And I make it a point to use a word like appear (laughs) because we don't know everything with 100% certainty, but there's the Ben Johnson situation and whether him not becoming commander's head coach was more his choosing or their choosing is up for interpretation, I guess. But there's also the Mike McDonald situation, which for whatever reason doesn't get nearly as much attention as the Ben Johnson situation does. But the commanders reportedly offered McDonald their head coaching job before he became 
the Seahawks head coach, or at the very least, the commanders were wanting McDonald as their head coach before he became the Seahawks head coach. Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk on February 2nd reported that the commanders offered their head coaching job to McDonald. Commanders insider J.P. Fidley of NBC4 on episode 755 of this podcast told us that he had heard something similar to what Florio reported. And then another friend of this podcast, Commander's Insider Ben Standing of The Athletic. He and NFL Insider Diana Rossini of The Athletic co-authored a piece that came out on February 5th. The piece included this on the Commander's McDonald and Ben Johnson. Quote, once Johnson was out of the running, the Commander's thought they were going to get McDonald until the Seahawks swooped in with more money, league sources told The Athletic. End quote. So even if you don't want to believe our pal fake news Florio, okay, and I don't blame you if you don't, both J.P. Finley and Ben Standig have had this, that the commanders offered their head coaching job to Mike McDonald, or at the very least were wanting McDonald as their head coach before he became the Seahawks head coach. If that's true, then Dan Quinn was not the commander's number one choice to be their head coach, regardless of of the Ben Johnson drama. But as I have said, and will continue to say, just because Dan Quinn may not have been the commander's number one choice to be their head coach, does not mean that he can't or won't do a great job as commander's head coach. And I hope that he does. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, if you are listening to this podcast via Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can rate the podcast with a star rating. Five-star ratings are greatly appreciated. They help us out a lot. Thank you for doing them. A friend of this podcast, Pro Football Focus Salary Cap Analyst Brad Spielberger, he on Tuesday morning on PFF.com came out with a piece identifying cut candidates for NFL teams. He listed a cut candidate for each of all but two NFL teams, the Detroit Lions and yes, the Washington Commanders, uh, wrote Brad about our team, quote, the commanders got out ahead of a bunch of moves with the new regime truly starting from scratch in some ways. Free agency is expected to be very busy for Washington, followed by the number two overall pick getting the festivities started come the draft, end quote. Yes, uh, there is so much to be thinking about with our team, and I'm very pleased to welcome to the Al Galdi podcast, Brad's boss, uh, Steve Palazzolo. He is Pro Football Focus's head of football product. He also is the co-host of the PFF NFL podcast. You can follow Steve on X at PFF underscore Steve. Hey, Steve, how are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me. 
Yeah, thank you for coming on. The commander's revamping of football operations. Adam Peters as the new general manager in charge of football operations. Dan Quinn as the new head coach. Cliff Kingsbury as the new offensive coordinator. Joe Witt Jr. as the new defensive coordinator. What do you like? What do you have concerns about? I mean, it's definitely an interesting mix. Obviously, you know, starting with Adam Peters, I think, you know, they, the, the 49ers have done such a good job over the last few years from a from a personnel standpoint, I think they're uh, a pretty sharp organization from a team building standpoint. So I think that was a nice hire. Uh, Dan Quinn, I definitely think deserved a, another head coaching job. The way he uh, built that defense in in Dallas, I think what Quinn has done, you know, the the Pete Carroll defensive disciples, so to speak, over the the last decade or so, were very similar in the scheme that they ran. But Quinn. He, he learned how to adjust. He's not just running the same scheme that they were running in 2013 with the Legion of Boom. So I think Quinn's done a really nice job of adjusting to his personnel in Dallas, and I think that's a big part of, in addition to having success in Atlanta. So I think that's a big part of him getting that second job. And then Cliff Kingsbury, I think, is the interesting wild card. You know, Washington was, you know, they were, they were looking at offensive-minded head coaches uh, you know, like like a Bobby Slowick from the Houston Texans, like Ben Johnson from the Detroit Lions. Kingsbury is a you know unique NFL play caller. You know, he's he's going to run more spread. He's going to run more of that you know Texas Tech type of offense that he ran back in college. And so that's the I think that's the interesting wild card. You know, Kingsbury fitting in with that group, especially where they were looking elsewhere with different types of offensive uh, potential head coaches. The two biggest hires by the commanders this offseason in terms of responsibility are Adam Peters as general manager and Dan Quinn as head coach. The NFL, to me anyway, is unique in that, whereas in MLB, the NBA, and the NHL, it's hard to argue that the manager slash head coach is more important than the head of baseball slash basketball slash hockey operations. I do think that in the NFL, there is a legitimate argument to be made that the head coach is more important than the head of football operations. Because, well, the head of football operations picks the players. It is the head coach who is in charge of developing and deploying those players. And we all know how important systems and schemes are in football. Which hiring is more important for the commanders, the hiring of Adam Peters or the hiring of Dan Quinn? Yeah, obviously they have to work together. I mean, when you when you when you look at organizations and, and how they fail and you ask, you know, general managers that didn't work out or coaches that didn't work out, there was some sort of disconnect there. So they have to work together. But I do think the coach probably gets, you know, slightly above the GM just because they, they do have to they do have to take the ingredients and make them all work and they get the pulse of the team and know how to adjust things and and they're the final call on in game decisions when it comes to um, just everything, you know, play calls to fourth down decisions to substitutions. Um, so I do think the head coach, you know, the final, you know, cook, so to speak, probably gets the nod. But it is really important that the GM and the coach work together, right? You can't draft a player without a plan for how he's going to be used. And I think the tricky part there, too, is I think a lot of times maybe the GM. Uh, concedes to the coach too much and says, oh, this guy's th- this good player, this guy that our scouts think is a very good player, isn't a scheme fit, therefore we're going to pass up on him. To me, that goes more to, I want a coach that's going to take the good players that I select as GM and make that work. So you got to find that balance of forcing players on a coach versus you know having a good plan for the for the player. So I think it's it's certainly a team effort, but yeah, the coach having the final say on so many things I think makes him slightly more important. We on this podcast have had a lot of conversations about the nature of head coaching in today's NFL. And the trend, of course, has been to hire young, offensive-minded, first-time head coaches. Uh, Dan Quinn is uh, none of those things. Doesn't mean that he can't or won't do well as commander's head coach, but he does go against the grain. Where are you on the right head coach in the modern NFL? I think... think being an analyst and trying to analyze head coaching jobs is very difficult. I mean, it really, it's, it's easier to evaluate players, which is already a challenge because you see most of what their job is, right? I watch a player, I watch how he plays football. That's the majority of their job. So predicting what a head coach is going to do 
when you only see him for three hours a week and his job is several hours beyond that throughout the week is it's challenging. So that's my cop out answer. Um, because nobody would have predicted Dan Campbell. I mean, you know, being uh, the the guy to you know maybe make the NFL rethink what they're looking for in a head coach, a master motivator that is not necessarily a scheme guy, but has completely turned Detroit around. So I don't think there's a template. You know, the 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 argument for the offensive guy is you know he's not going to leave you obviously, and you're you're going to have a young quarterback and you're going to want the quarterback and the and the in the coach tied together. I get that part of it, but. Defensive coaches can still win. Offensive coaches can win. A guy that doesn't, you know, isn't the best X's and O's guy or doesn't have a scheme attached to them, those guys can win. Anybody can win. The head coach is a CEO, though. They have to, they 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 are controlling everything, and that's the hardest thing to predict. And then say, you know, the evidence that we have for Dan Quinn was, you know, his run in Atlanta, and again, it was pretty good. And I think, you know retread coaches are you know they have opportunities to succeed as well so i think it's fine i don't think there has to be a specific template uh, whatsoever and uh you know again my cop out is we'll, we'll see how it plays out because we don't have all the evidence of what dan quinn actually is as a head coach uh cliff kingsbury who knows to what extent his commander's offense will be like his offense during his time as arizona cardinals head coach for the 2019 through 2022 seasons but what did you think about his cardinals offenses yeah i mean he he moved he, he didn't move players around he evolved it a little bit you know i think early on it was it was like pure spread four wide you know more than any other team but they started adding more tight ends in there um but i think it's mostly known for being a little static, and static isn't always bad. Uh, Peyton Manning ran a very static offense. We knew exactly where Marvin Harrison was, exactly where Reggie Wayne was. Kingsbury has elements of that where his wide receiver is outside. You know, left wide receiver is going to line up on the left. We're not necessarily going to create mismatches with those wide receivers, but we're going to run, uh, you know, concepts, you know, consistent concepts, and. Um, you know, try to keep defenses off balance, but not through shifts and motions or moving moving players around. So that was one of the things that stood out from Kingsbury. The other thing was, I think the running game was actually pretty good with Kingsbury. And if they added, um, they always had the ability to add the QB element to it. So there was, uh, I think it was Kyle Murray's second or third year. They really unleashed him in the design run game and had a lot of success. So the, they have wide splits up front with the offensive line. I think that helped their running game a little bit too. Uh, overachieve, so to speak, a little bit more than maybe expectation. Uh, Pro Football Focus does a lot of great work in both the NFL and college football. Cliff Kingsbury is known for his work in and with the air raid offense as a quarterback and later head coach for Texas Tech. There are elements of the air raid offense throughout the NFL now, but can a true air raid offense work in the NFL? Yeah, it's a challenge, I, and I don't even know if Kingsbury is pure air raid or not. You know, you know, snap to snap. But I, I do think you need to have. I hate using the word balance because I think people assume it's fifty fifty. You got to run the ball fifty times and pass it fifty times for every hundred plays. But you do need to have answers. You know, and I think that's how I look at it. Even the Chiefs, when when they want to run the ball, can they do that effectively against certain fronts and certain looks or on third and short? So you have to have those types of answers, and I think that's where the air raid. The pure air raid, I mean, if you ask the late Mike Leach what the pure air raid is, you know, he's calling a pass 95% of the time and, you know, maybe 10% of those become runs because they're just checks at the line of scrimmage. I don't think that's going to work at the NFL level. I think you have to be a little bit more uh, game plan oriented, game plan specific, attack weaknesses a little bit more rather than just running concepts. So I, I think the pure air raid might be a challenge, but there's yeah, absolutely elements of it are you know sprinkled all throughout the NFL. Much more with Steve Palazzolo in moments, but if you enjoy Commander's Conversation, always really good Commander's Conversation at bgobsession.com. Placate your burgundy and gold obsession at bgobsession.com. BG Obsession, or BGO, has been the home of the most knowledgeable, friendly, and passionate Washington fans on the web since 2009. BGO is a special place at which you can join your fellow fans for some smart football discussion, great contests, game day chats, and even lifelong friendships. So what are you waiting for? Visit and join BGO at bgobsession.com, home to your burgundy and gold obsession. 
We're talking commanders with Steve Palazzolo, who is Pro Football Focus's head of football product. The 2024 NFL Draft Quarterback Conversation, USC's Caleb Williams versus North Carolina's Drake May versus LSU's Jaden Daniels. So the commanders have the number two overall pick. Uh, do you have fully formed or at least mostly formed opinions on the quarterbacks or are the Steve Palazzolo quarterback opinions uh, still evolving? Yeah, I'm still evolving on it. You know, there was a there was a point where I told myself I think Caleb Williams would always be the number one quarterback, and I think I said that right before he started to collapse last year against Notre Dame. You know, and, and did start to rethink rethink things a little bit. I did think that Drake May would actually make more of a move to become the number one quarterback, but if anything, he's gone the other way as far as general perception is. And Jaden Daniels feels like the guy that clearly had the best season of the three last year, won the Heisman, deservedly so. But I think Jaden Daniels is, is making a run now where there are some people that like him more than Caleb Williams, Drake May. I'm not there yet. I'm still the the old traditional, I'll go uh, Caleb Williams one, Drake May two. I think Jaden Daniels is probably three. I got to watch a little bit more of Daniels. I get it. The thing that holds me back a little bit, though, is Jaden Daniels at 21 years old was you know transferring from Arizona State was a late round prospect and he developed as a 23 year old last year at LSU and the age thing doesn't matter if you're just saying projection or whatever it might be it's just you have to take into account Drake May is about is 21 years old right now Jaden Daniels when he was 21 was you know leaving Arizona State not on great terms so there's still time to develop for Drake May Jaden Daniels had those two extra years in college to develop that's what I'm intrigued, intrigued about with with, with May I think he's very good. I think he's got to clean up some footwork issues. His youth, I think, works in his favor along those lines. So for Washington in particular, I like Drake May at two as of right now. But uh, yeah, i got to watch a little bit more Jaden Daniels and see if he can win me over and maybe grab that QB2 spot. A lot of talk about the Commanders potentially trading up from the number two overall pick in the 2024 draft to the number one overall pick in order to take Caleb Williams. A lot will determine whether that happens, including, of course, uh, whether the Chicago Bears truly want to trade that number one overall pick. But philosophically speaking, should the commanders be open to trading whatever capital is necessary in order to move up just the one spot in order to get the quarterback who they most want? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, any any trade up is going to be risky, but if you're doing it for a quarterback, it's it's a, an incredible payout. So it doesn't. I don't think the risk matters a ton. Um, the difference is you do have an option. You do have two other quarterbacks that are right there. I think the trade up, like what Carolina did last year, to trade up from nine to one, I think that's perfectly fine. Obviously, it didn't work out great because they would have had the number one overall pick this year, and it doesn't doesn't really work that well. But I think the idea of when you don't have an option for a quarterback and you trade up to go get one, I'm for that all the time. I think the the, the imp- increased risk here for Washington is the entire roster potentially having the uphill battle, You know, maybe being a year and a half away from being able to get it back on track. And then the idea that we all we, there's uncertainty in any quarterback decision. You know, There's not that much more certainty that Caleb Williams is better than Drake May or Jaden Daniels. So personally, I would I think they should stay put where they are. Um, the trade up, I'm all for it when you don't have a quarterback to choose, or if you're at five, you know, if you're, if you're the Atlanta Falcons, maybe, or if you're the Denver Broncos, and you have a, you don't have a clear quarterback option. I think it makes sense for Washington. They at least have two guys to fall back on, and I think that's probably the better play for them right now. The commander's managing partner, Josh Harris, uh, big on analytics. Uh, That is one of my favorite things about him. Uh, The commander's this past October 26th announced the hiring of Eugene Shen as the team's senior vice president of football strategy. He is in charge of their analytics, uh, previously worked for the Baltimore Ravens, the Miami Dolphins, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Do you know Eugene Shen? Uh, What do you think about Eugene Shen? Yeah, I know Eugene, and uh, I think I think Eugene and Josh Harris and I are all going to be at the Sloan Analytics Conference this year. I was just looking at the, the panel. I don't know if we're on the same panels or whatever, but we'll all be over there. Um, yeah, Eugene's been at a, a few different places around the league. I think he, uh, you know, has a lot of experience. I a lot of what we do at PFF is to work with with teams directly and analytics departments. So I can't really speak specifically to 
you know, work he's done or, you know, the things that he'd be doing. But, um, it's, it's just smart to get smart. It, it's good to get smart people in the building and, you know, that the, their biggest job is, is solving football problems, right? It could be in game. It could be personnel. It could just be general team building strategies. The more smart people you get in there, the better. And I think that's definitely a really good step for Washington to, to just get people in the building to help with those problems. Absolutely. Uh, you are Pro Football Focus's head of football product. Uh, you essentially are the Adam Peters of PFF. I know that there is still occasionally pushback to PFF, but by and large, PFF now is a major part of regular NFL and college football conversation. I mean, articles on NFL teams' websites and game notes put out by NFL teams now cite PFF stats. That was unthinkable like 10 years ago. Uh, PFF, as you said, now works with so many NFL teams. Are you at all amazed at how far PFF has come in terms of acceptance? I am a little bit just because I, I was there pretty much at the beginning. I've been here since 2011. So when we first presented these numbers and the data and everything, it was, uh, it was, it was an uphill battle trying to say, hey, look, this is good. And uh, I might have been the biggest believer in the grades going all the way back that not only are they good, but they're predictive. I always say that the, the grades are descriptive of what happened. And also, if you're looking at the right stuff, predictive of what will happen. And I think NFL teams, now that they have all of that data at their fingertips, we have every NFL team, every FBS team using our data, using the products that we build, you know, that it's on the team to figure out how to use all that information, right? It's not as simple as like take the highest graded guys and plug them into your team. Um, it might be close, but there's a lot of good information in there to be used to, to create edges from a team building standpoint, from a, from a game planning standpoint. So yeah, it's been fun to watch. It's been fun to watch it grow. And um, I still think there's even more room to grow. And again, I think the smartest teams are using all that information to just make better decisions. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, what is the next frontier for pro football focus, what is the next aspect of football that can be further slash better explored and cultivated by the work of PFF? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I mean, I, honestly, I think I think for us, I mean, what I like to focus on is a lot of the education on how to use our current stuff. Again, every team has their own level of analytics department or analysts, and they're all different sizes, and they're all kind of solving the same problems, but in different ways, and maybe emphasizing different things. But I do think I do think there's even more to lean into from a player evaluation standpoint. I, I think I've seen teams get smarter over the last few years. I think they're drafting a little bit better. I think they're making smarter free agent choices overall. I still think there's more to do there. So I think there's more of that information still to be used in the draft and in free agency to make sure that you're just not you know wasting a little bit money, wasting money on a free agent, wasting a draft pick in the first or second round. I think I think leaning into the data that is there from a player modeling standpoint, I think I think there's more to be done still there. Excellent. Steve Palazzolo, who is Pro Football Focus's head of football product. Uh, Steve, thank you and continued success. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right. Well, if Pro Football Focus graded catering services, <laughs> uh, its grade for catering by Uptown would be 100. Uh, PFF grades are on a scale of 0 to 100. Catering by Uptown is the DMV's number one catering service, and it now is offering a special deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Listen up if you or someone who you know is planning a wedding. Newly engaged couples can get 5% off any Catering by Uptown wedding package. Just call 301-572-7744. Set up your own personal tour of one of Catering by Uptown's premier waterfront venues and mention that Al Galdi sent you to get the discount. If you're planning a wedding, you want great service, but you also want a great price. Catering by Uptown provides both. Call 301-572-7744 and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Catering by Uptown also can help you if you're planning a party or a corporate event. Catering by Uptown is a family business that prides itself on its signature dishes and flawless presentations, and Catering by Uptown goes beyond just food. Catering by Uptown offers personalized consultation and event planning assistance that are outstanding, including venue coordination, custom catering menu selection from over a 1,000 delicious dish selections, and a day of event coordinator who will make sure that everything runs smoothly. 
from putting together and executing a menu to picking linens to selecting an excellent florist. Catering by Uptown is committed to meeting your needs and exceeding your expectations. And don't forget about the great offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Newly engaged couples can get 5% off any Catering by Uptown wedding package. Call 301-572-7744. Set up your own personal tour of one of Catering by Uptown's premier waterfront venues and mention that Al Galdi sent you to get the discount. That's 301-572-7744. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. The Capitals on Tuesday night began a stretch of five games in eight days. The Caps on Tuesday night also played their first game against a Metropolitan Division opponent since January 14th, uh, more than a month ago. And the Caps on Tuesday night won a 6-2 win over the New Jersey Devils at Capital One Arena. The Caps held a 2-1 lead going into the third period. They then won that third period 4-1. The Caps now have their first winning streak since a two-game winning streak that was made up of wins on January 16th and January 18th. And the Caps now for this NHL regular season are 25-21-8 and and have 58 points, good for sixth in the eight-team Metropolitan Division. A big scoring night for the Caps. Uh, The Caps are not a team that scores many goals, but the Caps on Tuesday night did score some goals. So the Caps on Tuesday night scored more than four goals in a game for the first time since January 18th. Top line left wing Alex Ovechkin, he remains on fire. Uh, He had two goals and a primary assist and registered a team high five shots on goal. He did commit a second period tripping minor, but both of Ovechkin's goals were third period goals. He scored an even strength goal 844 into the third period and scored a power play goal 1927 into the third period as the Caps went one of one on the power play. The two goals give Ovechkin 412 regular season home goals in his NHL career, passing ex-cap Yaramir Yager for the third most regular season home goals in NHL history. The only players in NHL history with more regular season home goals are Wayne Gretzky at 492 and Gordie Howe at 449. Also, this multi-goal third period gives Ovechkin 28 multi-goal regular season third periods in his NHL career, surpassing Mario Lemieux for the second most multi-goal regular season third periods in NHL history. Only Wayne Gretzky has more 36. And Ovechkin's three points on Tuesday night give him 21 points over his last 18 games. 10 goals and 11 assists. What did we say on this podcast when Ovi was struggling to score goals? The process stats screamed that he was playing better than his goal total suggested. And the goal total, thankfully now, is reflecting those process stats. Ovi for this regular season is number one on the Caps in points, 41. He has 16 goals and 25 assists. Also, second line center, Connor McMichael. Really good game for him on Tuesday night. He scored two goals, an even strength goal just 39 seconds into the first period, and a beautiful unassisted even strength goal, 417 into the second period, giving him the first regular season multi-goal game of his NHL career. And McMichael was number one on the Caps in five-on-five shot attempt percentage for the game per natural stat trick at 60.71. The Caps with McMichael on the ice in five-on-five situations in the game had 17 shot attempts versus allowing 11 shot attempts. Connor McMichael for this regular season is tied for fifth on the Caps with 10 goals, and top-line center Dylan Strom, he on Tuesday night scored an even-strength goal, 4-10 
into the third period for his team leading 21st goal of this regular season. And he had two primary assists. Uh, Dylan Strom is having some season. He, for this regular season, is number two on the Caps in points with 39, 21 goals, and 18 assists. Alex Ovechkin, Connor McMichael, and Dylan Strom, all really good on Tuesday night. Also really good was Charlie Lindgren. He was the cap starting goaltender for the 10th time in 15 games. He stopped 37 of the 39 shots on goal that he faced, including all 17 of the shots on goal that he faced in a second period in which the Caps had just seven shots on goal to the Devils' 17. A Lindgren per natural stat trick stopped eight of the 10 high danger shots on goal that he faced, stopped all seven of the medium danger shots on goal that he faced, and stopped all 21 of the low danger shots on goal that he faced. Yet the Caps ripped the Devils 6-2 despite having just 20 six shots on goal to the Devils 39, although the five-on-five battle was closer. The Caps for natural stat trick had 53 five-on-five shot attempts to the Devils 57. The Caps went 2-2 on the penalty kill. Uh, He was Caps head coach Spencer Carberry during his post-game press conference on Tuesday night. On that third period that the Caps won 4-1, you know, the Caps in that third period for natural stat trick had five five five-on-five high-danger shot attempts to the Devils won uh, this off over the first two periods for natural stat trick, having just four five-on-five high-danger shot attempts to the Devils nine, but here was Carberry. Yeah, I thought that um, they delivered in a big way in that um, last 20 minutes because I, I didn't feel like the way that game was going, if, if we tried to hang on and sit back, that was not going to end well. Um, and so I knew like we had a couple lines going, um, but it wasn't the whole group for the first two periods and we were hanging on. Chucky was doing a great job. We got some fortunate bounces on that penalty kill and were able to sort of hang on but you could feel that if there was another 20 minutes that looked like that second period that it was going to um, probably not end favorably so I I give our guys a lot of credit especially Stromer Osh and O who um, had a tough first two periods as a group and it was just one of those nights right where pucks are um, you're fighting it a little bit the, the plays that you make and you see just for whatever reason are going the other way and transitioning and and then um, for those guys in that line to step up in the third period when we needed it uh, the most was was really important and, and obviously um, delivers a win for for our team so all, all the guys a, a ton of credit for that third period because um, we certainly did not sit back no, you did not. Uh, some bad news from this game. Fourth line center Nick Dowd did leave the game due to an upper body injury. Uh, this as the Caps just lost defenseman Martin Fehervari. Uh He on Tuesday night did not play due to a lower body injury that he suffered in the Caps 4-3 win at the Montreal Canadiens this past Saturday night. Uh, Fehervari has been labeled week to week. Next up for the Caps at the Tampa Bay Lightning, Thursday night at 7. Well, the 2023-2024 college basketball regular season is winding down. Maryland now has just four games left in its regular season. And whatever chance that uh, our Terrapins have had at making the NCAA tournament is uh, dwindling. Uh, The Terps lost at Wisconsin 74-70 late night on Tuesday night. This was a 9 p.m. Eastern tip. Uh, The Terps for this season now are just 14 and 13 overall, and just 6 and 10 in the Big Ten. The Terps for this season now are just 1 and 8 in one possession games, games decided by four points or less. And the Terps now have lost five of their last six games. Uh, the Terps, uh, they are fading <laughs> right now. Uh, they on Tuesday night did trim a 10-point second-half deficit to two, but they ultimately trailed for the entire second half. The Terps' defense, which has been so good this season, was mixed on Tuesday night. They held Wisconsin to just 4-17 on threes, including just 2-12 on threes in the second half. And the Terps held Wisconsin to just six assists versus 12 turnovers. But the Terps allowed Wisconsin to go 17-30 on twos, and the Terps allowed Wisconsin to generate 31 free throw attempts. The Badgers went 28-31 of 
on free throws. However, uh, it is worth noting that Wisconsin in this game got, shall we say, the benefit of the whistle. Uh, Wisconsin is known to get a friendly whistle in home games, and not to sound like a whiny Maryland fan, but allow me to whine. Uh, there were some bad calls in this game, okay, including on a charge that was called on 6'5 true freshman Deshaun Harris-Smith with three plus minutes left, and the Terps down by five at 58-53. That call was brutal, uh, and yet that call was made. But look, the Terps just aren't that good. They are good defensively. They're not good offensively, although they on Tuesday night did shoot okay, 5 of 15 on threes. Uh, by Terp standards, that's pretty good. Uh, 19 of 37 on twos and 17 of 23 on free throws. The Terps did have just nine assists versus 10 turnovers. Uh, 50 of the Terps' 70 points came from the big three, Jameer Young, Julian Reese, and Dante Scott, 6-1 point guard, Jameer Young. He had 39 minutes as a starter, went just 6 of 17 from the field, just 1 of 4 on threes, and just 5 of 13 on twos. But he did go 7 of 7 on free throws, did finish with 20 points, 3 assists versus 2 turnovers, and 2 rebounds. 6-9, Julian Reese. He had 36 minutes as a starter, went 7 of 12 from the field, all twos, and just 4 of 7 on free throws. But he finished with 8 18 points, 7 rebounds, and 2 blocks. Did have 1 assist versus 3 turnovers. And 6'8", Dante Scott, he in 38 minutes as a starter, went 2 of 6 on 3s, 3 of 3 on 2s, 0 of 1 on free throws. He finished with 12 points, 3 rebounds, and 3 assists versus no turnovers. Uh, also, the 6'6", Indiana transfer, Jordan Geronimo, he was back. He returned from a one-game absence caused by injury. But yeah, the Terps are staring at missing the NCAA tournament for a second time in three seasons. It's a shame. Uh, Kevin Willard's first season as Terps head coach last season went so well. Terps made the NCAA tournament. This season, not going so well. Uh, next up for Maryland at Rutgers, Sunday at noon. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Thursday show, episode 768. We'll provide you with more on the Commanders. Also on Thursday show, I'll talk Georgetown basketball. The Hoyas are home to St. John's Wednesday night at 7. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll talk to you on Thursday. You have big OV running over people. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.